0: There's one thing
1: I know, it's how to make you feel
0: right at home. This is the podcast by Chicago in Arabic, featuring stories and ideas coming out of the Arab and Arab American communities in Chicago and around the nation. Coming to you from Chicago, these are your hosts, Malik Samad and Anwar Gibran. It's
2: time. Welcome to a new episode of the podcast. Our guest today is Jamil Khouri. Jamil, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So, we never met before today, but, you know, through chatting a few minutes, uh, apparently we know a lot of mutual people, including our prior guests, you know, Lina Sergie and um, Basil Medini, so it's really exciting to know that, you know, it's such a small community, you know?
1: I, I think in, in Syria and Chicago,
2: all roads lead to each other. Somehow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One way or another. So, um, Jimmy, you're a second um, generation immigrant, originally from Syria, right? My father was from Syria, correct. Right. T- tell us a little bit more about your background. So uh, I was born in Chicago. Uh,
1: I think within a month I was whisked off to Mount Prospect in the northwest suburbs, uh, which is where I grew up. Um, As I said, my father's from Syria. My mother is American-born, also from Chicago. Her mother was from Poland, and her father's parents were from Slovakia, which at the time was Hungary. It was part of the Hungarian Empire. Uh, So three waves of immigration, and... um, I grew up going to Syria, I think the first trip was when I was five, uh, so always had an attachment to <coughs> our ancestral village, which is called Meshta al-Helu, which uh, all Syrians know Meshta, all they yeah. need to do is say Meshta, and, it's, um, and spent a good amount of time in Damascus, I lived in Damascus for a while. Um, I uh, studied Arabic there and have um, really traveled throughout the country, you know, several trips to Aleppo, uh, and even to the northeast of Syria. So right. Kamishli, Deir Dirazur, you know. Uh, so I, I like to think I've seen I've seen quite quite a bit. Um, I was an undergrad at Georgetown University. I was in the School of Foreign Service, so my focus was international relations. Uh, and within that, uh, so my, my bachelor's is, is in international relations. I also got a certificate in contemporary Arab studies. So that was a study oh, wow. of sort of the politics and history wow. of the and sociology of the contemporary Arab world. Uh, between my junior and senior year, I took off a year to study at the Mahat Alim Alugharbia lajanab which used to be in Muhajareen and is now in Meze. Uh, so I, I lived in Damascus for. 14 consecutive months. That was kind of my longest stay uh, in Syria. Uh, My graduate work was at the University of Chicago Divinity School, so an emphasis uh, on religious studies and a focus on Eastern Christianity and uh, and the relationship with, with Islam.
2: Wow. Is that when you spent time in Palestine as well?
1: So Palestine was between my undergrad years and my graduate work, and I worked as a refugee affairs officer for the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. Um, I lived in, in East Jerusalem, in Shafat, and I worked in the 19 Mokhaymat, the refugee camps, right. uh, in the West Bank, to Phil A
0: pleasure having you as well. Um, from this uh, rich... Um, you know origin story, if we can call it. Uh, what what made you first go go back, uh, decide to go back, especially to Syria uh, and uh, spend the time there? And what did you learn from
1: your stay, other than, of course, the the Arabic language? So um, I think my my father and his sister. Uh, were very did something very wise uh, <laughs> uh, years back and that was they brought us repeatedly to Syria so the idea was to really cement a relationship uh, between me and my siblings and the country uh, and and to know our extended family so you know we have relatives in of course in Meshta and in Homs and in Damascus a uh, few people in Aleppo uh, <laughs> certainly Tartus Latakia so the fact that that family is so spread around the country, um, and the experiences of, of getting to know, you know, sort of being acculturated in a way that gave us a real connection, uh, a real love for for the country, a real a real bond. Go back to your roots.
2: Right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And then when you came back, you worked as a cross-cultural trainer and relocation consultant.
1: Yes, yeah. So um, I've had many lives, uh, <laughs> you know, from from Palestine to, you know, religious studies to uh, – that work was, uh, you know, largely informed by experiences that I had living and working overseas, and I worked with a company um, that tailored – programs for mid to high level executives being sent overseas on work assignments, typically two to five years, uh, and also for uh, foreign nationals being relocated by their companies in the U.S. And uh, I loved that work. I was able to interface with people from uh, industries and backgrounds that I would never have had any opportunity um, you know, agribusiness and petroleum and banking and defense. Sec- you know, this whole whole sort of mix of uh, and also people from from all over the world. So I I worked as a, a global generalist for programs pertaining to over fifty countries. And if it was a Middle East specific program, I also brought in a Middle East specialization. Uh, so let's say someone was being sent to Chile or to uh, China, two countries that I have not been to or or lived in, we would bring in country specialists, mm-hmm. and I would walk people through um, these theoretical models that would look at questions of acculturation and messaging and conducting business and socialization and you know differences in communication. It was really about preparing the 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 the, the assignee to working in a very different cultural milieu uh, and, and leveraging, you know, this knowledge.
2: That like really ad- sounds like a lot of fun. Like an adaptation, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just the superficial. It wasn't just, you know, mm-hmm. don't show the soles of your feet. Or, you know, <laughs>
2: right. it
1: really went kind of deep in terms of, you know, understanding, particularly how people message and, and mm-hmm. how people communicate. You know, I, I, I know every time I would come home personally from... Uh, from the Arab world, and I've, I've spent time in Syria, of course, in Palestine and Jordan and Lebanon and uh, Egypt and the United Arab Emirates. And, um, you know, I would have such a hard time myself readjusting uh, to American communication because, um, because in the Arab world there's so much subtext. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and I actually like the subtext. You know, And America is quite, quite direct, direct, relatively. Yeah. Germans are probably more direct. Um, but I would yeah. always be looking for, you know, what's, yes, <laughs> you said that, but you meant, you know, this exactly. other thing. Exactly. Uh, and then I would learn, no, you meant what you said. You know, sort of. this like <laughs> typical Arabic yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> culture, yeah.
2: yeah. So after you finished that, and then you started gearing more towards like playwright and theater. So when I was a grad student, University
1: of Chicago is a very intense place, mm-hmm. um, and and I, I loved my experience there. It's where you learn to fall in love with theory, um, and you know it's sort of. Mm-hmm. They, I always say they take your your brain and they sort of smash it against the wall and it splats all over them. Sorry for the imagery, <laughs> uh, and, and then you then you're sort of like crawling around trying to put it back together again. Um, uh, I I needed an, uh, sort of an escape uh, from the intensity of the world, and I started writing monologues. I started writing dramatic monologues, literally pencil on like note cards. You know, it was okay. this very sort of primitive approach, um, and and telling stories through characters' voices. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like imagining who these characters are, and that was really the. Um, you know, the early catalyst or the early whatever, the seedlings um, to plays that I later wrote, you know, sort of putting all of this together. But I was always interested in theater. I was always interested in performance and storytelling. Um, And because I lived in the Middle East and I had these these insights and perspectives, I wanted to share them. Uh, and of course, you can do so in an academic context, or, or write a book, or write mm-hmm. essays. Or, um, and I love writing essays. But I thought that theatrical or dramatized storytelling reaches people in a very different way.
2: It's very grabbing.
1: It, yeah, and it, it's visceral, and it's emotional, and it's spiritual, and you know, so it's a type of journey um, where people can find themselves, right. ideally, and that is what we've always believed in. You know, mm-hmm. this idea that. You know the person you think is so incredibly different from you, or that you share nothing in common. All of a sudden, you realize that there's there's actually a great deal of common right. ground. And then,
2: how many years <laughs> was that before you started the Silk Road Rising?
1: So, Silk Road Rising
2: was quite a while after grad school. Correct. So, I
1: graduated. Gosh, I guess that was '92 because uh, it was a it was a it was a master's program, and then. Silk Road Rising, uh, my husband, Malik Galani, and I co-founded in 2002.
2: Mm-hmm. And after this, 9-11. Was,
1: this was after 9-11. So 9-11 was very much the catalyst. Mm-hmm. Okay. 9-11 was, you know, the, the two of us, and Malik is of a, of a Muslim background, um, Pakistani, Indian, Iranian, sort of mixed. Um, and so the Islamophobia, the anti-Arab racism the anti-Middle Eastern, anti-South right, Asian. Right. We wanted to respond to that. We also wanted to respond to the ideology that produced 9-11. We wanted right. to respond to uh, the Islamist, jihadist uh, worldview that propelled um, this horrific act. Uh, so we, we thought that, that theater, because we both had this sort of mutual love of theater, and then I had already started playwriting, I already had a play produced. Um, We we thought, okay, this might be a really good vehicle for connecting people to the stories of of the Middle East and the Islamic world. We kept running into references to the historic Silk Road, and they were somewhat random. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then we started thinking, well, oh, this is a really interesting legacy. Essentially, trade routes that stretched from China to Syria Japan to Italy, if you include the sea routes. And we thought, you know, this is a pre-colonial, pre-Western imperialism model of a type of interchange and a type of interdependence between (coughs) countries that were not necessarily dominating each other, but that were engaged in trade and that were engaged in an exchange of stories and philosophies and, and belief systems. So the Silk Road, Tabika Harir, became this wonderful... Uh, metaphor mm-hmm. for what we might call polyculturalism, the sort of, you know, what cultures collaboration, meet, collaboration pluralism, interchange. Um, and it also became a geographic guide for us because mm-hmm. Syrians are connected to China, right? And they're connected to India and mm-hmm. they're connected to Central Asia. And I, I mean, I'm using Syria as the right, example right, here, right. but, you know, the, the relationships that exist between the historic relationships. That exists between the peoples of the Silk Road. Once again, pre pre Western imperialism, you know, mm-hmm. before before the French and the English sort of divvied up of the course. Middle East, this kind of thing. So we wanted to look at, you know, what what were those relationships about, you mm-hmm. know, and that there had been movement between mm-hmm. uh, between these regions, and there had been a kind of. I mean, I remember in the like 2005 or 2006, being in a restaurant in Aleppo. Uh, and there were tables of Chinese businessmen. Mm-hmm. So this was a, a different, you know, kind of who were who were clearly there, you know, meeting with their counterparts, and and just like this, it became much more concrete for me that. And of course, China now has this new Silk Road as part Absolutely. of kind right. of an extension of political and economic power. Um, that okay, this 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 makes sense. This mm-hmm. this works, mm-hmm. um, and you know. When I would talk about the Silk Road to my relatives in Syria, they immediately knew what I was talking about, and they immediately got it. Like so you very know,
2: recognizable. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah, and they were proud. They were, you know, Meshta, our village. <laughs> years ago, I, mean, I remember as a child, um, we had a silk factory. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was a small, you know, but it had operated for many, many generations, and so it, it's not there any longer. Mm-hmm. But there was this, this recognition that even, even the commodity of silk um, somehow linked the peoples of, of the region. Not only the commodity,
0: uh, just adding to your, uh, to your, uh, to your analogy and uh, to the Silk Road, you, you see that reflected in the, in the culture and the food in Syria. Absolutely. Uh, you also, the herbs, uh, you see it in the old souk in Syria. You see a lot of herbs from all over Asia. Yeah, uh, so that's also embedded in the culture,
1: and and I I think that it sort of just lives in people, you know, exactly. I and mean, that's become part of the, the the national DNA, and 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 I think it's a very healthy model, you know. I think it's a model that um, you know once again is and the way China, the way the the contemporary Chinese government is approaching it, is very much this. You know, we're we're not going to tell people to change their culture. We're not, I mean, there are other problems, okay? But we're not going to sort of impose um, a a set of values. Mm -hmm. And that also is in that spirit. So so we became a playwright-centric theater. Um, It's about the authorial voice. And the playwright, so the playwright's king, right, you know, mm-hmm. but you need <laughs> you need directors, you need actors, you exactly. need designers, and we love all of them, you know, we can't exist without, um, but it would be about the playwright being of a Silk Road background, okay. and the protagonist, or the central character, being of the same background, so... Arab-American playwright, Arab-American protagonist, Indian-American playwright, Indian-American protagonist, so forth, Korean-American, Chinese-American. And and we would tell these stories of people who, stories that were largely erased on on Chicago stages, Um, stories that we were not hearing. And we would counter a history of Orientalist Literature, you know, narrative. Mm-hmm. So this sort of either exoticizing or demonizing or, you know, otherizing peoples of the Silk Road. We would bring it home. It would be authentic representation, peoples from the communities about which they write. And if you're a playwright, if you're a theater maker and you're writing about family or you're mm-hmm. writing about community, you're probably full of angst, You know, know, it's a complicated relationship to heritage. um, And you're grappling, you know. So um, we never wanted to be celebratory. We didn't want it to be, oh, it's great to be Arab or it's great to be Iranian or whatever. We wanted the place to be complicated and complex and and three-dimensional. And we want to challenge... Both the Silk Road audiences and the mainstream audiences, right. we want people to, you know, kind of look in the mirror, and that's not always comfortable. Right. So I, I sometimes joke and say, "Self-esteem is a great thing." You know, we should all have it, but we're not giving you self-esteem. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we're we're sort of <laughs> posing a challenge. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: so so the Silk Road uh, now extending to Chicago. Yes, uh, yes, thank you for that. Why why (laughs) Chicago uh, and why – I mean, of course, you grew up here, but but, uh, the city itself, what gave the Silk Road – what addition did it give? Well, you you know,
1: Chicago's been great to Silk Road Rising. You know, even in the early days of the company, it was the city of Chicago – what was then called the Department of Cultural Affairs. It's now Depa- Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, but mm-hmm. we're sort of an incubator for, for oh. the company. Uh, Chicago is a very dynamic theater town. There are over 200 theater companies, you know, from very large to tiny mm-hmm. uh, in, in greater Chicagoland, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's an enormous ecosystem, you know, 200-plus plus companies. Chicago is a city where a lot of new work is created, most of our plays are world premieres, so they're plays that have never been seen before. We work with the playwright, we commission plays, we develop the piece. Uh, you can take risks in Chicago. Chicago is very forgiving in that respect. You know, you, mm. you fall on your face, you pick yourself up, you you know, dust yourself off, uh, and you you try again. Um, very and, good analogy. <laughs> I like it. And. And, you know, and there, there are theater goers in, in Chicago. so people so we, we became on some level uh, a niche, and I don't mean that in a diminishing way, we became a place, a destination for seeing stories and hearing perspectives that you weren't hearing anywhere else, that right. you weren't seeing anywhere else. Uh, and that was important to us. We were filling a void. You know, when we talk about diversity and representation, um, we are oftentimes talking about African-American theater, Latinx theater, LGBT theater, women's theater, so forth, all of which is very important and all of which, you know, we sort of, we walk on many people's shoulders, if you will. Yeah, right. um, but we, we, all, we recognize this, this absence and we recognize a certain erasure mm-hmm. uh, when it came to Middle Eastern and Asian American experiences. Uh, and we have seen that change in no small part mm-hmm. to the work that we've done. I'm I'm not going to take full credit, but I'm going to take partial credit because we've definitely, you know, the pool of actors has expanded dramatically, Mm -hmm. um, and the interest in the work has expanded.
2: Absolutely. I was actually reading a study for Choose Chicago, and it cited theater as one of the top five reasons why people return to Chicago. So second-time visits, third-time visits, fourth-time visits, just to come and attend, you know, probably Chicago, like all the theater shows and, you know, the like yeah, audience is right. really interested in what Chicago has to offer.
1: And, and I think, you know, we have this amazing resource, you know, we have this kind of amazing community of artists. And the fact that tourists from, you know, you know domestic tourism, international tourism recognizes that, that mm-hmm. it's on people's radar screen, that this is a reason to come right. You know, I mean, you can see a, you. You're probably going to see a good play, and you're probably going to have a good meal. It's uh, part of the Chicago <laughs> experience, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. you know, uh, which isn't to say there aren't bad meals and bad plays. <laughs> of course, there are, but you know, the chances are you're going to. That's gonna, also part of the experience. That's <laughs> also part of the, Yeah, uh, and and I think that I think that Chicagoans uh, understand these assets. I think that the city, I mean, certainly at the official level, but on so many levels, people recognize. That culture is such a driving force uh, in terms of building community, in terms of building economy, in mm-hmm. terms of revitalization, in terms of neighborhood um, you know, dynamism and, and, and so forth. I mean, you know, we can relate that to as as you know, three people very attached to Syria sitting right. in the room. I mean, I believe that culture and heritage needs to drive and preservation you know the rebuilding of Syria i mean i know that's a very complicated big conversation mm-hmm. but you know there are those are huge assets right, right. Uh, and even even heritage that was destroyed or antiquity that's been destroyed you know i i i'm of the school that some of that can be rebuilt you know some of that can right. be you know Absolutely. reconstituted and that gives you know once again, using Syria as the example, that gives people a sense of pride. It gives people a sense of identity. It gives people a sense of continuity. You know that that long history, heritage. Right. Yeah, and so culture really anywhere. And Chicago is this incredibly diverse city with a really interesting history, and you know these waves of migration, and and how the city continues to reinvent itself and reimagine itself, and art. Yeah, and whatever, you know, be that performance or, or music or visual art or, you know, plays such a, a critical role, such a crucial role in our own self-definition, you know, our own sort of understanding of, of who we are and, and what we send to the
2: world, you know, what are the, the exports. Actually, that's a really good point. It brings me to my next question about partnerships. <clears throat> yeah. So speaking of, like, talking to each other, like, do you guys, like, seek partnerships to, like, grow the company, grow the project, grow the organization? So we're really big on partnerships
1: and, you know, institutional partnerships, partnerships with, with, you know, individuals. Uh, We are hosted by a Methodist church. We are hosted by the First United Methodist Church at the Chicago Temple, which is here in the Loop. Oh, wow. It is the oldest congregation in the city of Chicago. It predates the city, the city itself, uh, 1831. I think oh. Chicago was incorporated in 37, mm-hmm. 1837. Um, it started out as a log cabin on the north bank of the Chicago River, and then they floated it across the river and rolled it on logs to the corner of what became Washington and Clark, where it is today. So this is their fifth building, in that location. It was completed in 1924. Um, so, you know, they have been hosting us really for the greater part of our history. I mean, we are the <laughs> resident, the professional resident theater. We are the theater in residence at, uh, at this church community. It's a completely secular relationship. It's mm-hmm. not a religious um, partnership. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and we have full artistic freedom, and uh, and we have this venue, right. in this you know this lovely intimate venue, this flexible venue, in the in the heart of the Loop. Uh, I mentioned the city of Chicago. You know, we've partnered with several universities, with faith communities, with libraries, with social service agencies, with civic groups. You know, we've done a program with Karam Foundation. We've wow. you know we've worked with people in the ch- the humanitarian and charitable sector. Uh, we're increasingly interested in the immigration sector and how art becomes an ally to the process mm-hmm. of the processes of integrating into a new country, the challenges refugees face. Um, so, you know, we're doing a pro- project in West Ridge on the far north side of, mm-hmm. of Chicago, uh, 3.5 3. square miles, home to 65,000 people. Uh, One of the most diverse populations in the United States, Um, ethnically, culturally, uh, religiously, linguistically, economically, uh, the number of languages spoken, uh, so forth. So we are now partnering with different organizations within Westridge. The goal is to uh, eventually make a documentary film about our um, experiences there and the work that we're doing there. And part of that is getting people to write their own stories. Uh, that would then be performed. So, so once again, and these are communities that aren't talking to each other necessarily. Right. You know, you have the uh, the Indian-Pakistani population. You have a large African immigrant population, um, uh, Mexican-American uh, uh, Orthodox Jewish population, um, Assyrian. These so, so and and there and and Eastern Europeans, Serbians, Croatians. So, and you know, they might walk past each. <laughs> They're on the street, they may wave each at each other you know from across the yard whatever um, but there really aren't relationships, and that is something that the leadership in the community has been talking to us about for a few years now is how do we help how do we use art to help facilitate so we have a residency there this fall where we'll be doing quite a bit of programming and it's really looking at conversations that haven't been happening. Mm-hmm. And even like within, say, the South Asian, you know, there might be a Muslim Hindu divide. There right. may be uh, a Sikh Hindu divide. You know, however that however that plays out, um, animosities that people bring from you know back home uh, have a way of
2: playing out, you know, when you know d- 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 down the street. That's really amazing. And was this the first project you guys do outside of Chicago? We've done a number
1: of projects outside of Chicago, and we had. Uh, this is very interesting. I, I, I was mentioning before we got started with the Aga Khan Museum, which, yep. is, a, which is the only uh, solely Islamic art museum in North America. It's up in Toronto. Um, we did a tour of a one-woman play about Syrian refugees called Oh, My Sweet Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, we performed it in, in London in the UK and in Toronto and in Vancouver. And we did performances you know, here in Chicago at, at our venue. Um, we did a project with the American University uh, of Beirut, okay. um, with both the AUB and the LAU, the mm-hmm. Lebanese American uh-huh. University. Wow. So we, we, we commissioned, I'm very proud of this, we commissioned the translation of a Saadallah Wanous play. Saadallah Wanous mm-hmm. was one of Syria's most beloved, you know, Voice. amazing, brilliant, brilliant playwright. Uh, so we commissioned the translation of a play of his from Arabic to English. It was performed in English in Beirut, so we were there, we were in Lebanon for the performances, and then we were doing work on both campuses, on the AUB and the LAU camp, and then we brought our, our Lebanese partners, the, the, the two translators and the director, to Chicago, uh, and we performed the play here, you know, in translation here. Right. Uh, so, so that's an example uh, and MacArthur Foundation was uh, the was the support, you know, for the to underwrite the translation and our travel and their travel. So this is a multi-party um, uh, collaboration around an artist who, you know, has passed away, uh, and much of his work has been banned, you know, over the years in in various Arab countries. Uh, but he's had an enormous impact on. Uh, contemporary Arab thought, you know, he mm-hmm. really, right. um, and and he's such an interesting guy. I do you know, Saadallah. One news we could do a whole show just yeah, exactly. <laughs> talking <laughs> about him. But you know, truly one of Syria's great uh, contributions to to uh, to the theater.
0: Uh, you were the recipient of the University of Chicago Diversity Leadership Alumni Award. Yes,
1: and. Uh, <laughs> But can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I was I was nominated uh, for the award, and I went through some sort of vetting process. Obviously, uh-huh. I wasn't present for that, uh-huh. um, and and was selected. Uh, and so I used to say, somewhat tongue in cheek, somewhat joking, "Thank yeah. you, thank yeah. you." Um, and you know, it was kind of a big deal. They, you know, there were all these <laughs> different <It is>. presentations <laughs> oh, on, on campus, which was quite lovely. Um, I used to say that for one year of my life, I got to speak for 160,000 living University of Chicago alums. Obviously, I'm stretching. (laughs) I'm stretching the point, but um, they were recognizing the work that Silk Road has done um, in really uh, expanding representation in American culture. Yeah, because remember, theater also extends into it extends into film, it extends into television, it extends into so many realms of into our consciousness on um so I, I think even if we're a, a you know a a small company we have tentacles that are are greatly um, uh you know that, that elongate if you will right. that you know our our reach, our potential impact. you basically extended the Silk Road to the North America right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, on many levels North America is the Silk Road, you know, it's that kind of and Chicago is a great Silk Road city if we think of the history of Chicago with the river connecting to the lakes, connect, the Great Lakes connecting to the St. Lawrence right, Seaway, right. and then we, we go the other direction: the Illinois River to the, Sh- the Chicago River to the Illinois River to the Mississippi River to the mm-hmm. Gulf of Mexico. You know, I mean, we can we can get to the ocean, right? Exactly. We're an inland coast. The history of Chicago and the railroad railroads, the history of Chicago and aviation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I see it as a Silk Road city in its own way. And of course, of course. when we look at all of the, the waves of migration uh, to Chicago that have, you know, once again defined, characterized, you know, who we are mm. um, and how we get along and don't get along, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, th- you know, there's, there's such complexity. And uh, you know, what we understand about each other and what we don't understand, Chicago becomes this great laboratory mm-hmm. for the type of, of work we're doing. Um, and also you know, it, it's an environment that once again, sort of hearkening back to what I was saying earlier, allows us to, to push the envelope. Mm-hmm. So you know, we've done a lot of work that um, you know, touches on taboo, you know, quote unquote taboo mm-hmm. subject matter within, within Silk Road communities. And a lot of silver people have really thanked us for doing that. And others have asked us, have said, we wish you hadn't done that. You know? no. <laughs> or we wish you hadn't talked about that. You know, so, you know, t- bringing up conversations about uh, sexual violence um, uh, and, and uh, you know, ab- abuse. Um, the You know, topics of homosexuality. I mean, mm-hmm. we have never shied away from talking right. about queerness you know in and you know and Malik and I are very out as as a as a couple mm-hmm. and so that has also been really important in terms of you know challenging homophobia in communities challenging um, uh, ideas sort of very patriarchal ideas about right. gender and, and, right. and so forth so all of that becomes part of a part of a mix
2: that's very brave of you guys i mean it, i'm sure there's a lot of criticism around Touching these topics, pretty sensitive topics. Yeah, we get lots of criticism. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. You, you're driven by your mission, not by people's opinions, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, because you, you can't, you know, I, I, if I'm not angering somebody, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not getting some, then I'm not doing my job. You right. know, if on some level, uh, and I, I want to be uncomfortable, you know, I mean, I have selected plays because they've made me uncomfortable. Because right. they may oh my god, you know, what am I yeah. gonna you know, this this sort of thing, you know, there's this <laughs> stuff and because I know that it helps us I mean there's too much in this culture right now of we're in echo chambers, you know, right. we all just wanna we wanna hear back our and and I love the echo chamber. I love people repeating it's, comfortable. Back. it's very comfortable, it's very safe, you know. So I love my bubble, you know, but on the <laughs> I also wanna be sort of yanked out of it and I want to um, because that's how we we grow and y- you know if if we're going to talk about today's political climate in the US and how polarized and all these divisiveness and this kind of thing we have to talk to people right. who don't agree with us we, right. and this is when we've gone to colleges when we've gone to environments when we've gone to you know like I did a program in Lincoln Nebraska you know and Lincoln's a great town, you know, but it's it's probably a different environment politically than what I'm used to,
2: yeah.
1: and um, and that mattered,
2: right? It's it's very thought provoking, you know, even if it's uncomfortable, you know, when you hear something that's like way outside of your circle, so just like just provokes a lot of thoughts in your head, and then over time you start becoming more accepting, more understanding of another person's point of view, and that's yeah. that's, that's a great that's a great work. I, you know, we did a play several years ago about w-
1: women who were called Japanese war brides. And these were women who married American servicemen who were in Japan when, after the Second World War. Right. Essentially, America was occupying yeah. Japan. Yeah. And so these men brought their wives back. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, you know they married, quote-unquote, the enemy. And the country was not very hospitable. It was not very kind. These women were not looked upon well. Uh, and in many states, these marriages were illegal at the time because uh-huh. you could not marry outside of your own race mm-hmm. in in large parts of the United right. States. And so uh, I, I will never forget a kind of this beautiful play called Tea. It's five women. It's you know them sort of telling their stories, and they're all close friends, but mm-hmm. there's all these conflicts between them. Um, I'll always remember this woman who came up to me. She said, I am fifth generation German-American. Those women, th- those stories are my stories, or my sister's story, or my mother's story. She found herself, she found her family. Somehow, she's not Japanese, she, she she's, not bright, she's not a woman, right? But there were enough things in their lives that she could connect to, and I, and I thought to myself... This is why we're doing this. The role of a theater maker is to pose a question. Mm-hmm. It is not to feed an answer. So I'm not telling you how to think. I don't we don't produce plays. I'm not going to hit you over the head with, poli- you know with a certain polish. Oh, you should you should think this. A- I want to pose questions maybe uncomfortable, maybe provocative, maybe you know, things you haven't thought about. Uh, but I w- I'm going to trust that God gave you a brain and that you can use that brain. Sorry if that sounds unkind. Uh, <laughs> and, and that you can arrive at your own conclusions. Right. Um, and that you can sort of, And sometimes I don't like the conclusions. I mean, sometimes people tell me, like, oh my God, how did you get... You know, but that's fine because that, you know, we, we bring our stuff, right? We bring our history, our baggage, our, you know, to a story. And we see it through a lens.
2: Right. I mean, honestly, that's like such an incredible mission that you guys have. So, where do you see this going, so Road Rising, in five, ten, twenty years on the road?
1: Well, we hope to still be going. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so, that's that's definitely part of the plan. We're right. not planning to shut down anytime <laughs> soon, uh, and we want to we want to keep expanding our reach. You know, we want to. Uh, we're part of national conversations about Asian American and Middle Eastern American uh, theater. Uh, we are connected to other theater companies. We are increasingly interested in digital work, uh, and we are increasingly interested in in working with communities like West Ridge that I you know referenced earlier uh, to tell their own stories. You mm-hmm. know, to get people in the communities. If if someone feels that they can't tell their story. Or that no one wants to hear it, or that no one cares, or that no one's going to understand it. It makes their own process of of belonging. You know, there's kind of a crisis right now in this country of people not feeling that they belong. There's this crisis of people feeling alienated or isolated somehow, and a big part of that is 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 going through life imagining that no one cares mm-hmm. about. Uh, and in a place like Westridge, where you have Iraqi and Syrian refugees, where you have refugees from uh, you know, parts of Africa, and um, you have a lot of trauma, you have you know uh, uh, people from Bosnia, so forth, who are literally suffering from what we might call PTSD, and haven't been able to process that uh, in 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 terms of just articulation, right. which is which is so much you know which is part of how we begin. So, you know, I mean, our, our, we're not mental health professionals, and that's not how we understand our, our role. But we certainly believe that when people feel respected uh, and when they feel safe, you know, remember, a lot of people don't want to tell their story because no. they don't feel safe. They, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be, you know, someone's going to criticize me negatively. For the community,
2: basically. Yeah.
1: And people are, you know, and so we want to be that, that space. Um, and, and we have been, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, Jamil, thank
0: you so much for uh, for this uh, amazing conversation. Uh, we really learned a lot, and um, we'd love to have you again, of course, uh, to talk more, uh, like talking about partnership. We'd love to to work with you on future uh, plays. Talk about it uh, to the community we uh, we cover here, uh, like our base. And core mission at chicago in arabic uh, when when we started was to to try to connect the arabic community here in chicago with the city itself Uh, that's why we started talking about subjects in their their mother tongue to try to connect it to the city so so we'd love to work with you on future projects uh, to connect this community with the city
1: i I would absolutely (laughs) welcome that opportunity and i thank you and Thank you for this opportunity yeah. to to share my story or silver road rising story yeah. uh, with the Chicago in Arabic podcast audience.
2: Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Such an enjoyable conversation. We can be going for another hour. So I'm, I'm sure you. we'll be in touch, and I'm sure we'll have more conversations in the future. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great.